Ready is relentless. Ready is fearless. Ready is fearing no foe. Ready for the next level? Renew your season ticket now and support Rangers into season 2021. Prices are frozen for next season and the renewals deadline is extended. Visit rangers.co.uk slash renew to secure your season ticket today. Always Rangers. Always loyal. Hi there and welcome along to episode 86 of the Jersnet podcast, the totally free Rangers show run by the fans for fans. It's currently Sunday night. It's 9.30. We're live uh, on YouTube. If you are joining us tonight, then welcome along. Thanks for joining us tonight. Remember, you can get involved in the show by leaving us as many comments and questions as you can. Um, we'll be keeping an eye on that throughout the evening and we'll, we'll get to as many as we can. Uh, if you're not joining us live, then welcome along anyway. Uh, obviously, the, the podcast is available for download every Monday. Uh, that will be available on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Acast, Stitcher, all the rest. Um, so make sure you hit the subscribe button, maybe give us a wee comment as well to help us out. Uh, so what are we talking about tonight? Tonight on the show, we're going to be doing our best to keep you up to date with all the latest developments from Scottish football um, as the coronavirus pandemic continues to kind of have this question mark over the whole, well, the whole way of life that we've that we've got at the moment. So joining me to, to try and make sense of this unprecedented situation are two of our perennially popular guests. First up, we've got John McCallum. John, how are you adapting to this new way of life? I'm getting used to it, to be honest with you, Ross. I'm, uh, the sun is shining in Glasgow and has been now for a few weeks. Um, I've got used to working from home. Um, I don't have an awful lot of work to do, unfortunately, but what I have to do, I can do. So, aye, it's, it's, uh, it's funny what you can get used to in a short space of time. Yourself? Oh, it's not too bad. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't enjoy working from home. You know, when I'm in the office, I've got two or three computer screens set up, so changing all that down to a tiny wee laptop is difficult but I guess you know considering everything that's going on and you know the dangers that this thing's posing just I'm happy to be safe my family's safe I know not everyone's everyone's that lucky so listen I I think I saw a a picture on Twitter that you put up the other day of your um your two wee ones out in the garden doing their schoolwork how are you finding life as a teacher (laughs) well no no I'm uh, I'm finding life uh, as a teacher not too taxing because, to be quite honest with you, it's my better half that's doing most of the teaching. Um, and they did. You saw a picture of of two of the three. Um, the third one was upstairs. He's a little older and he he's, he could be trusted. The other two had to be given social distancing and placed at other ends of the garden so the two of them could get on with things and not fight with each other. But uh, I it's actually at first it was quite difficult, but. Um, the schools have given us quite a lot of stuff now and uh, uh, the kids are, have got work to do, so that makes it a lot easier. I, it was the terrifying thought that I would have to teach the children mathematics um, and and probably see them get put back a few years when they go back to school. <laughs> um, uh, uh, the realisation that I no longer know how to do a long division, which would probably horrify some of my teachers if they were listening. Anyway, that's not why people have tuned in. They don't care about my appalling homeschooling. <laughs> No, I mean, as interesting it is, because, I mean, there's, there's not been much football to talk about, but we're, we're not quite at the point of long division yet. Um, listen, also with us tonight, we're, we're delighted to welcome back Stuart Weir. Um, Stuart, have you got any tips for us on, on how to beat the monotony? Stay in your garden for as long as possible, or um, sample the delights of home brew. <laughs> I think that, it's worked particularly well for me, in fact, on both counts. Um, I mean, I, I, I listen... Everybody's in this together, but I, I mean, I, I do really feel seriously for people who don't have access to any kind of garden or any kind of uh, access to the, the outdoors just now. Um, because even, you know, even being tackling, cutting our heads down today um, is much more, I would say, enticing than sitting looking at four walls. So anybody out there, um, you know, 
keep the chin up, try and get out, try and go for a bit of walk, a bit of an exercise, and spend a bit of time in the garden. But it cannot be easy for for people who are who you know who have the misfortune of not having those kind of facilities. No, absolutely not. And and look, the, the most important thing is that people keep themselves safe and that people pay attention to the advice, keep their distance from folk, and don't be tempted to to do something silly. I mean, it's uh, it's such an unprecedented and, and dangerous time that. You know, I'm, I'm saying a couple of weeks ago on the show, I'm in a I'm in a small one bed flat. We've got a, a garden that's about the size of a flapjack, so it's it's not the easiest thing <laughs> in the world, but it's it's important. It really is. Now, before we get started on the show tonight, we, we've got a, a wee bit of a sad update. Sadly, um, we got a message in the early hours of Wednesday morning that that Ishbel Barnes sadly lost her fight against COVID nineteen. Now that that main name may not be familiar to you, but it's it's fair to say that without her son Graham, we probably wouldn't be here having this chat this evening. Graham uh, is is the gentleman who edits the pre-recorded versions of the Jesnet podcast and the Four Lads Had a Dream podcast that's proved so popular. Um, so I just wanted to say, you know, from all of us here at Jesnet that we, that we do express our deepest condolences to Graham and to his, his younger brother, Kenny, at the loss of their mother. Um, obviously, been a, longer listeners to the show know it's been a really tough year for, for Graham and his family. So we, we just want to pass on all of our sympathies at that. Now, to dive into the to the football or to, I guess to the lack of footballing action, we've had uh, podcasts out the last couple of weeks. Um, Colin hosting last week, myself hosting the week before. Um, obviously, looking at the shambles of the vote, Dundee's role in all of this, statements from Partick Thistle, from Hearts, from Rangers. It seems to me, John, that over the last seven days or so, things have gone a wee bit quiet on the front of the calling of the season, ending the season now, giving the title to Celtic, relegating Hearts, all of that seems to be dying down a wee bit. Is that exactly what the SPFL would have wanted? Yeah, I think they are obviously looking to, I think the term that I see getting put out quite a bit is, is put this behind us and start looking to the future. Um, they clearly don't want the vote um, and whatever went on around that vote uh, looked in and looked at for any length of time. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, I would say yes, that's exactly what they want. Um, they would quite like it if we just all went away and uh, let them get back on with things. Um, whatever it is they've got planned for us all next, uh, without a doubt, uh, it's exactly what they want. And, and it's frankly, it, it's, it's what they got. And that, I, I guess that's the, the most frustrating part is that there was such a, a hubbub and a furore around this whole thing a week ago, 10 days ago, a fortnight ago when it was all kicking off that it, it almost seemed inconceivable that, you know, it, it would die away almost quite as quickly as it has done. And, and, and we've had a statement this, this afternoon from Rangers kind of reaffirming that there is something here, that we've got all this evidence and we'll release it when the time is right. Uh, Stuart, obviously coming from a, a position of working in the media, what was your whole take on this situation as it was developing over the past couple of weeks? My my take on that Friday when the vote was taking place was that, you know, I, I think I said at the time that even the most corrupt dictatorship on the planet wouldn't have announced uh, uh, how an election had gone or how a vote had gone partway through so that other people might be influenced by how they voted. And and that's what it smacks of. You know, and I think there has been a lot of hostility towards Rangers um, over a number of years. But when you see some of the people who have been, if you like, most hostile to Rangers and, and you know, and would hardly defend uh, the club uh, in any way, shape or form, regardless of what the argument was when you see other people coming out and actually saying, "Hold on, something ain't quite right here." Um, I think that is a measure of where the SPFL are and where Scottish football is right at this minute in time. I mean, we, we, you, you touched upon there, you know, with the, the sad news of you know people having to deal with the the death of close ones within their family because of the situation we find ourselves in with COVID-19 and coronavirus and, and, and the likes. And for Scottish football to be taken and consumed by an ongoing row about, um, you know, the, the, the league system, the league setup, how the, the, the prizes might be dished out, how relegation might be done at a certain point in time. I mean... 
I think above all else, we as a, a nation actually look quite crass and, and actually having these discussions just now when there are evidently bigger things to be concerning ourselves with. And and, and again, I think, you know, having spoken to various uh, people at different clubs, I think there's a realisation from them that there is a, a a major distraction with everything that's going on in, Scot- in, the, in the Scottish game just now. Because... It's okay saying, well, you know, we need to get these things clarified and ratified and all the rest of it. But because of this ongoing saga, some of these clubs are now in a position that they voted for one thing and the very thing they voted, uh, you know, supposedly to safeguard against is actually the thing that's going to do them the most harm. They actually voted for something that has not yet been resolved and the time it's going to take to resolve it is actually what's going to cost them long term. And there are football clubs, you know, and whether, you know, some people have, you know, a lot of sympathy or absolutely none for, for um, you know, the, the, the various teams in various leagues is neither here nor there. The fact is that there are some of these clubs, I reckon, are within about a fortnight of actually just shutting the doors because they have no resource. They have no way of, of going forward. And you know, in a, in, a, in a week or so ago, there was immediately £1.8 million released to 30 teams in Scotland. You know, even if they, you only did you know second year arithmetic, you can work that out. That's only 60 grand per club. 60 grand per club isn't, you know, and that's the average. Some clubs, that ain't going to be very much for what their costs are. And I do wonder where exactly, not only where exactly this season might end up, but what sort of condition various teams might be in trying to start again for the coming season, whenever that might start. And I, and I think some people have tried to rush something through in terms of this vote and they've now been bitten by it, the, the, the outcome, because they suddenly realised that what they thought was a quick fix Ain't, ain't going to be that, but you know that quick effects, and they are now stuck between a rock and a really, really hard place. I think that's a there's a, a couple of key points in there, Stuart. And obviously, this rush was this this vote was kind of rushed through, and you were told we need to get your your voting done by five pm on Friday, regardless of the fact that the statute said you've got X number of weeks. Um, and I think that actually the SPFL have used the the pandemic and, and this situation that we're all finding ourselves in. They've used it as cover because it, you know, that is the most important thing. And if Rangers keep shouting and keep waving their flags saying, this is wrong, we need to do something about this. It's, it's far too easy for the SPFL to say, hold on, this is very crass. You know, there's people dying out there. We need to take a step back and realise there's more important things in football. As, as disingenuous as that would be from the SPFL, who obviously orchestrated this whole situation in the first place, but my question then, Stuart, is if you were the chief executive or the chairman of Rangers, what would you do in this situation? You know, you, you're claiming to have this dossier of evidence that apparently could bring down the SPFL and, and, and shed light on the corruption that's gone on there. But you do run the risk of coming across as crass, coming across as bitter, because we don't want this the title just handed to Celtic when when there are clearly more important things going on. Yeah, I mean I mean the the, the whole thing with Rangers saying that they have evidence. Now I, I, I can relate this to you know if, if you want to upscale this to, to court proceedings when basically I and the the newspaper I worked for at the time had a year to prepare to go to trial. Now, that was that was taking statements. It was it was um, churning up a whole load of evidence and all the rest of it. Slightly different circumstances to what's going on. But anybody who is putting forward a defence or a case have the right if the governing body doesn't actually say there's a cut off point here of two days or two weeks or two months or whatever it might be to basically work on that and and come up with as much evidence as they can. There was no time bar put on that. They were basically, uh, 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 but the SPFL have gone out and, you know, and again, stage their own internal investigation, which doesn't seem to, to, you know, from the outside again, doesn't seem to be particularly forensic and doesn't seem to have actually looked at 
or answer the questions that a great many are now starting to, to ask. To that end, I think, I, again, the more this continues, one, I think Rangers should get their evidence in as soon as possible and actually pin the SPFL if they actually do have a case. But secondly, the SPFL have brought so much of this upon themselves just by the fact that they, they almost look slightly underhanded, shady at how they've actually performed and conducted themselves. You know, I have... I have appeared regularly on TalkSport over the last two weeks. Not an interview has gone by without me having to explain the circumstances and the uh, the situation of how we arrived at this point in Scottish football. And I would have to say the vast majority of the time, not once has there been uh, a presenter in the studio or guests in the studio um, listening in who have not collectively cast doubt on how this was arrived at or more particularly cast doubt on the, the the way the SPFL is actually conducting or running its business and and whether the, those people have any allegiances to any Scottish clubs or, or not matters neither here nor there there is a, a serious disbelief that at this particular time as well Scottish football is in such a mire having arrived in a position where, you know, that nobody, nobody, I don't think anybody ever thought you would end up fighting over um, the, the sort of situation and the, the finer points in detail of, of what has happened. You, you, say, you say three leagues, well, that's it, the season's finished for you guys and we're going to promote and relegate accordingly. It's almost like they've made the rules up as they as they go along. The the point you made er, uh, a minute ago about we thought it was five o'clock, all of a sudden you find out there's 28 days. Tell me anybody who actually had written anything about there actually been 28 days before you could cast your vote. No one, because they all thought there was a deadline at five o'clock on the Friday. And that in itself, for me, is enough for, for somebody somewhere to be asked serious, serious questions about you know just how rigid and just how um, detailed their protocols are in terms of conducting their, their, their business, and I, and I think above all else, that is why you know Rangers think they've actually got a case, whether they do or not, who can tell? But they should be allowed to submit their evidence, and they should be allowed to submit it to the rest of the clubs as well to see if they've got any backing amongst the other teams who are involved. And slowly but surely, I think there's one or two chairmen and owners and the likes. Uh, and even managers who are, are recognising that all that they were told, you know, isn't quite above board, and there are there are basic um, errors or basic um, mistakes in this process right along the way. Oh, well, I think you know, obviously, the point about being told you've got until Friday to to submit your vote is is one thing. There's the fact that you've got numerous chairmen and chief execs of clubs coming out and saying, no, I mean, we've also been told that if we don't vote for this, we don't get our money. So we're, we're hamstrung, our hands are tied. What, what are we supposed to do? All of these, you know, not insignificant, not trivial points, they're all adding up to something that's potentially catastrophic for the SPFL. Um, the fact that Dundee submitted, didn't submit, then were contacted and told they hadn't submitted and that they would change their vote the fact that they thought that the first person that Doncaster would be on the phone to was Peter Lawwell, all of these things. It, it seems to me, John, that this is an open goal for Rangers. It seems to me that if we were going to be aggressive, if we were going to really ruffle some feathers and, and present this dossier of evidence and get a solid conclusion out of this, there's, there's never been a better time because everything is stacking up so badly for the SPFL. My question, though, is that Rangers have tried in the past to be forceful. We've tried in the past. We've kind of promised our fans that we'll take action on things, whether it's the compliance officer, the way that the compliance officer seems to pick on uh, Rangers players that suffer trial by sports scene, the compliance officer who's never cited a Celtic player, or certain referees that we've made statements about saying we need to have investigations into this or that. There have been things in the past that Rangers have called out and we've never really followed through on. So, John, with our kind of history in this regard, do you have faith in the people running the club to be as aggressive as we need and to really push this and follow through to get the result that we deserve? It's interesting you say to be as aggressive as we need. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, Ross. I'm in perhaps uh, in the minority here. I'm not entirely sure what 
Rangers' strategy here is. I'm not entirely sure what it is Rangers want to happen at the end of this process. Uh, is it about changing uh, Neil Doncaster? Is it is it is it changing his? Is it, is it is it him leaving? Is that what we want? Is it bringing in other clubs? Is it do we want clubs to 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 listen to what we are saying? I'm not entirely sure what it is we're actually trying to achieve, um, and and because of that, I'm a little unclear as to what our, our next step sh- should be. Um, Stuart touched upon something there, um, which I think is, is pretty important, um, where he he said that you know during this this period, I mean, what we're living through just now, and, and you touched upon earlier, you know what Graham and his family are going through just now. You know, football is pretty low down on a lot of people's agendas just now. Um, and I have a feeling that that's going to just get worse in the coming weeks. So I'm not sure what the club. I'm not sure the club do need to be aggressive, you know, because I don't actually know what that will achieve. I mean, if it if it achieves more headlines, if it shows that indeed the SPFL, um, you know, misled clubs. Let's say the let's say let's say but what comes out is that the SPFL misled clubs, um, so they would vote. Um, a certain way, right? So, and undoubtedly, that is against their own rules. It's clearly something that I suspect the clubs who were misled would be uh, a bit unhappy about. But what will they do? Are they going to reverse the decision? I mean, ultimately, the clubs want the money. Um, I, I think there has to be uh, particularly long conversations about. Uh, not actually so much even giving teams the, 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 the teams who are at the, the top of the league, saying to them that, you know, you, you won the league. Yeah. I have less of an issue with that. I still don't think you can do it at this stage of the season. I just don't think it's right. But I have less of an issue with that. I still think you can relegate teams. I just, I just think that is a scandal. Uh, I, I think clubs being relegated after this, is, uh, after what's going on, is an absolute scandal. And just, and just, you know, that can't be done. And I have tremendous sympathy for for. for Supporters, I don't think there's much sympathy for the clubs, but I have tremendous sympathy for the supporters of those clubs because I think that is dead, very unfair. Um, but ultimately, Ross, the thing that concerns me in all this is, first, Stuart's right that there seems to have been two or three clubs um, who have made noises publicly that they are also unhappy about how this was handled. Ultimately, do enough clubs want to go against the SPFL and the SPFL board? Uh, and frankly, the people who have the power. I, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced they do. Um, I am not sure there is a huge appetite to uh, to bring about significant regime change. I'm not sure that the timing of this is actually right. You asked me at the start, was the fact that you know it had a quiet week, was that good for the SPFL? Yes, it probably is. And I say that because I'm not sure there's a huge public appetite for this type of battle in football just now. I, I think football is starting to look tawdry. Uh, I think football is starting to look like uh, um, the the organisation and the players um, are, are too concerned with keeping big salaries um, for people, too concerned with trying to make sure that, that multi-million pound media deals, not, not so much in Scotland, but in football in general, multi-million million pound media deals are, are, are secured um, first. Frankly, people are, are dying in their thousands. And I, I think football is, is, is in danger of seeing the public turn against it. So um, should Rangers be aggressive just now? I think it depends a great deal on what Rangers want to achieve. And I don't actually know what we want to achieve. And, and maybe Stuart and yourself have, have more of an insight into that. Um, because I'm not entirely sure, other than, than showing that the SBFL are not necessarily doing things in the interests of all their clubs uh, who are ultimately their members, I'm not entirely sure what they're trying to achieve. So um, my gut feeling just now is that being aggressive isn't actually um, the best long-term strategy, that what we should be doing is behind the scenes. Um, we should be looking for support from other clubs. We should be not seem to be standing on our own just now. Um, if there if there is to be significant change in the SPFL, then we need to get other clubs um, to uh, go along with us. And indeed, it might even be helpful if it's other clubs that are leading it, because I still think there's an issue with 
with Rangers uh, and a number of other clubs in the league just now. Um, uh, and in actual fact, I think that helps um, Neil Doncaster. I think it helps um, the power brokers at the SPFL just now to just point and say, well, look, there's Rangers. That's, this is what they always, they always complain about something. Um, so that's my take on it. Um, I accept that that's perhaps not um, the, the, the popular take, but it's, it's my cunt take. You see, John, in, in the last couple of times you've been on the show, I've described you today as perennially popular and a couple of weeks <laughs> a fan's favourite. Um, yeah, that might be changing now, yeah. Prior <laughs> <laughs> to that. Um, it's, it's one of these situations where, obviously, um, football titles, promotion, relegation, all of that is is overshadowed. And you make you make a fair point, John. I think that footballers haven't, or football as a sport, hasn't covered itself in glory. I think there are notable exceptions to that, including at our own club, who are obviously deferring wages. And, and whilst it's not but, being... But, 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 okay, Ross, let, I, let's take that. They're deferring wages, okay? They're deferring wages. You know, these are, these are highly paid people. These are people who earn a lot of money. By anyone's standards, they might not be on Premier League salaries. They might not be on on, on you know Real Madrid type salaries, but they're still on good salaries, very sure. good salaries. But and, what? and you know they're deferring. You know they haven't said you know what you're right. Let's we'll go without for a couple of months. They 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 are deferring. They are expecting that to be paid back later. Now I, I accept the contracts. I accept all of that. I'm just saying from a from a public relations point of view, I still don't think that's a great look. Not in the current circumstances. There will be, and you must see this in London, there will be thousands of people out of work when this comes around again. Once uh, furloughing and all of that ends, there will be all sorts of companies in significant financial problems. There will be lots of people out of work. There will be significant economic circumstances for us all to face. Footballers defending wages for a couple of months? I, I don't know. I'm not sure that is as good a look as, as some people think, to be honest with you. Sure, but I mean, there's, this is a, a unique situation, and there's there's no rule book here. I mean, first first things first, we have to know that just because players aren't necessarily in the media shouting about the work that they're doing for charity or the money they're giving to charities and that kind of thing, it's certainly happening. I mean, players all have their own charity foundations. They they do have monstrous wealth, but you have to believe that they do also do a lot of good with that wealth. I mean, thinking outside of of Rangers, I, I promise we'll get back onto Rangers in a moment. But outside of Rangers, John, in football more generally, what you know, there's no code of conduct here. There's no code of ethics, really. Who are we to say what a footballer should or shouldn't do with the funds that he's contractually entitled to and and the money that he has? Well, okay, I, I accept that. But then, you know, if if footballers are going to demand that their contracts are met. And that is entirely their right. Legally, it is their right um, to do that. Um, then I think they have to accept that a significant number of people in the outside population might not look too kindly on that. Might feel that is a touch mercenary at this time. Um, particularly if you start to see clubs suffer. And I think it's something we're going to, we're going to talk about later. But if you start to see clubs suffer for that, and I think you will, you know, I, 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 how some clubs, ours included, can get through potentially six months of no football. Um, you know, uh, if you start to see players who are, who are actually putting clubs in jeopardy, far less from, you know, let's get away from, from any morality on this, okay? Let's accept that they are, they are entitled to, they've signed a contract in good faith, you know what, that's not their problem, that's the club's problem. Fair enough, okay? But if that starts to have a detrimental effect on the, the club's actual existence, ability to survive, uh, yeah, I think I think, player, I think supporters will criticise and I think they have a right to criticise. I won't, I won't argue with that when it gets to the point of um, clubs going to the wall. I will say that I have been a, a little frustrated with this painting in the media of big bad footballers continuing to earn salaries and it's you know it's it's true of course it is but then there's also the billionaire owners of the clubs who are continuing to earn salaries and there's a lot of people continuing to earn a lot of money and a, a lot of people who are continuing to go without and uh, i think there's been a fair bit of criticism of some clubs i think you know uh, liverpool were, were rightly criticized when they 
with yeah. announced we're going to follow staff. Spurs reversed the situation when it was pointed out the absurdity of it and and frankly the immorality of it. Um, and, you know, I, I, and I accept that Scottish football is not at that level. It doesn't have that level of finance. Um, so you know, I, I take the point you're making. I just think it's not a great look. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I agree, and we're, we're going to come on to talk about the finances and and you know, looking particularly at the finances of Rangers in in five minutes or so. I just want to kind of wrap up on a couple of other points first, Stuart. We've heard this week that there was a, a supposedly independent investigation into the voting scenario that was conducted by Deloitte over the past week or so uh, that was commissioned by the SPFL. The scope was set by the SPFL and lo and behold, Deloitte have found no wrongdoing in the voting for the uh, the ending of the lower leagues in Scotland. Now, to the SPFL, that should be the end of the matter. What is your take on that? Um, I've never thought. Uh, I, I go back to the, the sort of phraseology that was used by Stephen Gerrard that if you mark your own homework, you'll always come top of the class. And I, I know, and I think that the SPFL, it doesn't really matter who they employed. It's you're asking for trouble if you are trying to get people to believe that it was independent. It may it may actually be independent, but you leave yourself wide open to criticism when you're actually the people that look to be investigated. Go to an external agency to do that and then come back with nothing. If you wanted an independent uh, agency to look at it, it should be one that both the SPFL and the clubs that are actually critical of the SPFL um, be that Rangers or anybody who are willing to back Rangers are actually willing to say yes, we will go along with uh, you know this adjudication and the adjudicator in this capacity, and and we're happy with that. And and at the end of it, the end of that process, you take whatever they come up with. The problem just now is that it still looks as if uh, the SPFL have actually turned to Deloitte and said, here we are, here's the evidence but you are looking at this, 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 and this, and you're not looking here, there, and everywhere. It's almost as if they pointed them and got them to focus on certain things, when actually, you know, you would have to believe that, yeah, yes, Rangers would have probably that evidence as well. So Rangers must be looking for the SPFL or to take on the SPFL in another area. And and, and again, I, I don't see how that can be fully uh, independent. Equally, I cannot see how people... Who have a vested interest in, you know, are a, are a foot in, in two or more camps can be part of any kind of uh, forensic audit or investigation into how things are conducted. If you're sitting within the SPFL and you're saying, yeah, I think this is right, and you have a, a you know, a benefit to gain from that because you're either employed by a, another club or you are, you know, you have an allegiance to that other club, I, I can't see how that can leave you uh, in the clear. And I, and I think that's one of the problems in all of this is that even, even as I, I referred to earlier, even people who have been scathing in their criticism of Rangers over, over several years, even people who would almost prefer to, to, to you know, to back people who are, uh, how can I put it, economical with the truth um, rather than actually somebody who like, maybe Rangers have come out and said something's actually you know, factually correct. I think when people like that start to say this smells a bit, then you have to you have to basically you know cleanse yourself. You have to basically go to the nth degree to say, yeah, look, this is this is everything that took place and everything that happened, and we have nothing. We've, not, we've got nothing to hide. I still think just now there are too many things that make it look as if it's, there, there are people or certain individuals trying to hide either the workings of the SPFL or how certain decisions were arrived at. Well, that's uh, that's been the kind of the point that seems to linger all over the whole thing. It feels like people have something to hide, um, and and this sham of an external or an independent investigation, an independent audit, it's another 
a kind of signal that there is something to hide that look oh, you want an independent investigation right fine we'll sort that we've got it sorted very very quickly here's the results within a week a forensic investigation into this kind of thing doesn't take a week you know it, it, it takes a week to get your it access set up and figure out how you've got all the folders like it, this doesn't take a week this is a proper forensic investigation that's needed that means we're looking at emails that were sent or where they received you're looking at phone records of key actors who were apparently talking to each other on the night. You're looking at the statutes of the SPFL talking about how long you've got to, to submit a vote, looking at the statutes in terms of um, how and when you're allowed to release funds to uh, to member clubs, because you know there's this whole issue around actually clubs could have had the money in the form of a loan. We wouldn't have had to change the statutes. You wouldn't have had to call the season early. There's a lot of stuff to unpack. And to have that independent investigation, for the SPFL, by the way, to say, we're not going to do an independent investigation. We're going to do, we'll do an internal inquiry. We'll do an internal inquiry. And then last week they go, no, do you know what? We won't do an internal inquiry. We will do an independent investigation. It's already set up and you'll have the results on Friday. It's It stinks. Again, the whole thing stinks. And it's so obvious and it's so transparent. And I, I Sorry, f- football, football has never been very good. And, and not just in Scotland, but you know, on a, 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 a wider stage. Football has never been good at employing people who will tell you either where you're getting it wrong or tell you a truth that you don't want to hear. It's, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, league reconstruction and all the rest of it, has Scottish football ever given it up to anybody else other than administrators who think they know what they're doing rather than, again, looking at an independent body to look into the the absolute structure of Scottish football. No, they haven't. And I, and I think what we're saying here is that, yeah, by all means, have an inquiry. But but there, there is, you know, there's real evidence in this occasion that the level of independence has been called into question. And because of that, we still have the same smell and the same stink and the same insinuations and the same accusations all the way down the line. And I and I and again, I, I, I you know, not to labour this because of other things we want to talk about. It's it's just something that is not going to be resolved in, until such times as somebody says, "Yeah, this is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it." And you're you're absolutely correct in in collecting evidence to put a case forward. Should, there should be no time constraints in that. We've already had enough with time constraints when it comes down to a vote that had to be in for five o'clock and then you find out you've got an extra 28 days to vote. Actually, Dundee had an extra 28 days and were given an extra 28 days through the protocols, which is actually more than Rangers had to gather their evidence to call into question how they arrived at that vote. No, the whole thing, the whole thing is, is rancid and it's, it, it's so clear. I mean, if, if nothing else, this internal... The SPFL, they like to say that they're a members' organisation, but if that's the case, then how could this independent inquiry be focused or be settled upon without the consultation of the members? It's it's obvious. Um, John, we've kind of... We've skirted around the issues of finance, and, and I think it's fair to say that this, this situation we find ourselves in with the pandemic is clearly harming the finances of, of clubs up and down the country and, and across the world. I think I'm right in saying that a team in the Welsh Premier League this week has, has gone out of business. Real Town, who one of the oldest teams, um, you know, oldest football clubs in Wales have, have, have gone to the wall over this. And it's it's probably going to be the first of many. Um, I, I saw that this week Anne Budge had kind of suggested that there will be no football in Scotland until January 2021. Now, if that's the case, Rangers have a, a massive, massive task on to survive this this interim period. What do you think the club needs to be doing in order to keep the funds coming in and and, and just keep the business ticking over in the interim? I read, uh, the, I read reports of what Anne Budge said. I've, Anne Budge has a far greater insight into the accuracy of that than I do. Um, I certainly can't see football, you know, until the autumn at the earliest. Um, and, and I think she is possibly right, depending how things go um, in, in the community and in the country, you, you may well be looking at at the end of the year before they allow, you know, large scale gatherings again. If a business is in distress, there's two things it can do. It can either increase its overheads 
It can either increase its income or, or decrease its overhead. Those are the two things it can do. I don't see government support coming in for football. I think that would be a deeply unpopular um, with the media. I don't think that would go down at all well. So I don't think, I, you know, I think clubs can forget about that. Um, so so there's, only, there's only two things Rangers can do. They can either increase their income or they can, or they can decrease their overheads. Um, as most of Rangers' income is derived from playing football, I don't know how you do that when you're not actually playing. You can't fill Ibrooks every second week. If you don't have European matches, um, if you don't have live football on television, then I don't see how Rangers can do that. And so, so I'll be honest with you, Ross, I think we just have to decrease their, their, their overheads. I, mean, they would, I, I can only assume they've had these conversations um, at the board. They must have done. Um, I suspect they're going on at every club just now. Um, but, um, you know, having, having run a significantly smaller business through recessions in the past, um, you, you, you cut hard and you cut quickly and you get your, your costs down as much as you can, as quickly as you can. Um, and, and then you build back up again as, as time allows. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I, are we not looking at, at um, having no sponsor for at least a couple of the domestic um, competitions next season? I don't know, maybe, maybe Stuart has more of an insight into that. Uh, I think I read that, that that sponsorship is kind of coming to an end. Um, you know, I, I, would, I would be very impressed if they can sign up. You know, if the if the league can sign up a new sponsor um, in that time, I would even and even if they don't even uh, have to do that, even if they have existing sponsors, um, I think if I was an existing sponsor, I would be looking at at, at some renegotiation on the, the the contract. So I don't think there's any doubt that the income is going to drop significantly. Um, and so I think Rangers, you know, maybe we'll bring out a new strip. Strips will always sell. There will be money from that. But as we all know, um, the income Rangers get from um, the sales of merchandise is is paltry compared to, to what it should be because of, of stuff that's been on in the past. Um, you know, we can we can look at, at trying to generate revenue through Rangers TV through. Um, uh, the website through doing various things like that, but ultimately, I, I don't think it's going to be very high. So, Ross, I, again, um, perhaps an unpopular opinion, but uh, this one I'm, I, I'm, I'm much more certain of. I think the club has to has to look at cutting its overheads and cutting its overheads quite soon, um, and that that might be that might be quite nasty, um, and that might not be popular, uh, and that might mean you know having to let go of players who potentially are um, are worth a lot more, but they're only worth a lot more if people are going to pay money for them. Um, on the plus side, uh, I think we will not be the only club doing this. I think most clubs, the vast majority of clubs are going to have to do this. If you are, if we are seriously looking at no football until 2021, 20, then I think most clubs are going to have to do this. Seriously, certainly every club in Scotland, and I suspect outside of perhaps a half dozen clubs in England, than, than most of the clubs in England um, and elsewhere in Europe. So uh, I think you could see players' contracts being cancelled, players being freed. Um, you could. It is not a ridiculous scenario to say that the um, if Scottish football does start up again in January next year, it could be a you know it could be a boys' league. It could be that you know the youth start playing um, because I, you know, I don't see how the club. Can I mean, unless the directors are willing to put in an awful lot of money, and they've already put in a lot of money, but unless they're willing to put in an awful lot more money, and I don't think anybody realistically could expect that of them, I think the club has to cut its cloth accordingly. I think every club will have to cut its cloth accordingly for the time being. But don't you think, John? Don't you think, John, that that just going back, taking taking put your, your comments there and and taking it down another another route or a, a slightly different tangent. Do you not think when the SPFL are basically planning for matches and, you know, not only reconstruction, but they're always also saying we can maybe play matches by a particular point in time and in the, in the likes. And all of a sudden you have Nicola Sturgeon coming out and saying there were no public gatherings. And all, all of a sudden the SPL are running around as if their hair is on fire because they hadn't actually 
recognised the possibility that this might have nothing to do with what they want, but everything to do with what the government or those running the country actually want. And they, they didn't seem to have a plan B at that point in time. And for Anne, you know, picking up on Anne Budge and saying nothing until maybe 2021, I mean, again, that that just right has the alarm bells absolutely ringing and should have the alarm bells ringing for the, the, the lesser mortals and the lesser entities within Scottish football. You have people saying, let's reconstruct Scottish football or we could bring in another two teams. Where where is the appetite for bringing in more clubs to actually take more of the pie? It's like it's like saying that we're going to actually extend the the top flight to fourteen clubs. Can you honestly see the the twelve teams there actually saying, yeah, let's invite another two and take a, take another percentage of what we're actually earning? I can't see that, and I think sure. I think. Long term. Sure, long- sure, sure. If, if it's January 2021, before we, before the football's back on, we'll be lucky to have 14 clubs Correct. To, to form a league. Correct. Correct. And, 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 and for me, from my perspective, I think this is, this is where the SPFL, the SPFL are, are basically, you know, finding themselves already, they're sending out the messages, oh, we don't want expensive legal battles. doesn't matter, you know... For me, that that should be that's flagging up the fact that they're going to try and wangle their way out of this rather than having this go to court by some some way or another. You're spot on in what you're saying there. That there are going to be teams, and we've heard it before. We heard it, you know, back in. 2012, 2013, we should cut our cloth accordingly. The only team. I would have to say the only club that actually cut their cloth accordingly was probably Rangers because they didn't have any money to do anything else. There were other teams who within a matter of months were back to offering daft and bizarre contracts to other people or to players simply because they had a name and they thought they had a certain position or place in Scottish football. And I, and I, and I, I do agree with you wholeheartedly in this one. The SPFL... From my pers- you know, my take on this, the SPFL should be busying themselves with actually actually how this how they're going to survive what is going to be a crash landing, regardless regardless of the time scale, and that's what it's going to be, rather than wondering about let's let's just dicky things up and and make leagues look different. And I think that I think they're being negligent and actually looking after Scottish football. Forget that they're bickering in their fights. I think you know I think. Other clubs other than Rangers should be pointing out that you have a, a role to manage Scottish football and at this moment in time, we don't think you're up to it. Now, on a, on a related note to this, uh, you know, uh, to bring it back to Rangers and, and how, we, you know, so John's spoken passionately there about cutting overheads is, is probably the way to go. I'm trying to remain positive and, uh, and maybe a wee bit more optimistic and, and look at different ways of, of increasing that revenue stream, as, as John spoke about. Now, Club 1872 over the past couple of days have kind of announced the news that it looks like next week Rangers are, are planning to put their season tickets on sale. Now, Stuart, in a, in a world where we don't know when the next game is going to be, let alone when next season is going to start, is this the right time to be offering season tickets? Um, considering, you know, that football might not come back till January 2021. We don't know if that's a re- going to resume this season, whether that's next season starts then. Is it? Is it right with so much uncertainty and the fact that, you know, there might even be restrictions on how many folk can attend a game that we would be offering season tickets at this time? Or is it a necessary step that the club needs to take? I, th- I think if you're running any business and, you know, and, and John will have his say on this as well. If you're running any business, there is a, you, you look at your calendar, you look at your diary and you say, we have to be doing certain things at a certain point in time. You might not know what the outcome is going to be, but you have, in business terms, you have to be trying to cover yourself in all eventualities. And I think that's probably why Rangers are thinking this, you know, that we have to put season tickets on sale. From, you know, taking it, at, taking it at face value and given what we've discussed already this evening, I mean, I think it, it is hugely optimistic on, on a number of fronts. One, that you can actually put season tickets on for something you don't know when it's going to start or, or, or when the fans are going to benefit from you actually taking this season ticket money from them. The fans, when you think about it, even even the most 
loyal and you know supportive um, fan just now will be going through trials and tribulations like everybody else in terms of their general well-being and probably what their life was like at home and in the workplace. To, to put season tickets on sale, you I think you actually run the risk of fans saying, no, not now, because one, we don't know when we're going to be watching it, and two, we don't know who we're going to be watching. And, and Rangers fans have been through this before when they, you know, the, the, their loyalty couldn't be questioned when when Rangers were demoted into the, the, the fourth tier of Scottish football. But when you see some of the players who actually were representing Rangers at that point in time, would fans put their hand in their pocket to then go back to those kind of standards and, and, and teams like that? Because Rangers can't afford to keep the players who are actually on their books just now. I mean, I, I think it, I think it's full of risk. It, for me, it's 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 optimism, you know, above and beyond to say they want to take money from fans and believe that they will back us. I think they, I think Rangers may actually get a shock in this one with fans actually turning around and say, yeah, we'll support the club, but at least we want to know what we're going to be supporting and when. It's interesting what you're saying, Stuart. I, I, I think the, I don't think the club have any choice. I think the club have to 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 put out season tickets. Uh, renewal as soon as they can because I think the longer this goes on the harder it will be because people will, it will start to have eaten into people's salaries far more and more significantly and, and I think we'll have a clear idea of just what's happening ahead and so from some perspectives I think actually the Rangers doing this sooner rather than later is, from a marketing perspective it's probably probably wise because the longer we leave it I think the harder the sell it will be um, I also think there is a percentage of our season ticket holders who will renew um, who, 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 you know, don't want to lose their seat, who, but they've had it for a long, long time, who, frankly, just, you know, their, their loyalty to the club, um, their love for the club is such that they will just renew. They, they, will, they would give the club that money and they would do it safe in the knowledge that, you know, you know, there might not be very many games next season. They'll still do it because that's, you know, that's where they are in life. But I also think there's a percentage, and I don't know what the percentages are, but there is a percentage that will say, hang on, I, uh, what is it I'm buying here? How many games is there going to be? When's the season going to start? How do I explain this to other people in my household when I might only be on 80% salary just now? Uh, I maybe just need to hold off on this. Um, so th- there's going to, there's going to, you're going to have supporters who are going to roll right across that range. But I think there is a percentage, and I think we saw that when we dropped down the bottom tier, there's a percentage of the Rangers support who will back Rangers. I think in many ways, the, the club just now, the people running the club, I think the support are by and large um, in favour of them. I think they feel the club is in safer hands now than it's been for a number of years. Um, I think more, more or less we're all pretty still pretty happy with Stephen Gerrard. Um, I think the team is, is, is going the right direction. So I still think there's a... There's a, a, a feel-good factor there towards the club for most of the support. So I think a percentage will say yes. Both percentage will say, yep, sign me up. Um, here's my money. You know, And I think from the, from the club's perspective, getting that money in will be vital. Um, and, and we'll make, then they'll be able to make the decisions on, on what savings they have to make when they know what season ticket money is coming in. Um, and, and that will be key. So it doesn't surprise me that they're, they're talking about doing this. No, I would be astonished if every single person renewed. Um, I think, you know, that is, I don't think the club expect that. And I would, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think a, a, a good percentage, and I don't know what a good percentage is. I don't know if a good percentage is a quarter, um, 20%, 40%. I'm not sure. But a good percentage, I think, will renew. Um, and then that gives the club uh, a financial base to start making decisions on. Well, I guess a good barometer for that, John, is is the comments that we've got here on YouTube, which seem to be saying, look, I, I would stump up the money for a renewal. Um, but actually, a, a good point from Chick here, he'd, he'd stump up the money for the season ticket no, long, no matter what, but wants to see the club fighting, no more walking away. So kind of taking that aggressive approach that we spoke about half an hour ago, that the club has to kind of take this opportunity. And, and that's how they demonstrate that's almost how they reward the loyalty that we as fans have shown over the past number of years. And there's, there's plenty of comments here coming from you and saying that the season ticket money is worth over £25 million to us and that we rely on it. And whilst I'm not familiar with that figure, 
absolutely spot on that we rely on the, on that money. And, and you're right, John, we, we will have, because of the loyalty of this fan base and the fan base that, that follows the club passionately, we will have a huge percentage of people that just renew because I renew and I help my club and this is how they get their money and I want my seat and, and all these kind of things. And it's the tradition that gets passed down through the generations. So we will have huge amounts of income. There are a couple of things that worry me about it. I don't like the idea of not knowing what you're paying for. But I also don't like the idea that it could set us up for a potentially, I don't know, maybe a dodgy legal position if we can't fulfil the promises of or the kind of the conditions of the offer of a season ticket contractually. If that's a legal grey area, I don't know. Um, but I think we have to. I think we have to do it, and I think the club also has to look at being a little bit more creative, a little bit more flexible, and. Uh, maybe display a bit of ingenuity in a time like this to try and find other revenue streams that aren't traditional football revenue streams. So whether that's a raffle, right, where you you buy a ticket and one of the prizes is you get a 15-minute video call with the gaffer or you get to play a match on FIFA against Tav, anything like that, people would buy tickets for that. Whether it's, you know, Shagger bakes you a cake and sends it to you, whatever it is, we need to come up with ways that the club can still monetize the product that we have and the, we because... Whilst there's no product on the pitch, the players, the staff, these are icons and they're almost a product in and of themselves. And I think that we need to, I've almost been a little bit disappointed in the fact that Rangers haven't done so much of that, haven't over the last few years taken advantage of the the boom in esports, right? So you get plenty of clubs now have a professional esports FIFA player and it's it's marketing, it's revenue. Uh, I think now is the time that Rangers really need to clamp down on the, these kind of opportunities and try and explore these emerging markets in a way. Um, listen, I mean, Sorry, just what you're saying there, you know, I, I'd really like to see the ingredients first and foremost if Alan McGregor was going to send me a cake. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. You don't, you'd almost want to sort of have a video of him making it to ensure it was safe and able to eat that. I, Once again, Ross has a fantasy of Alan McGregor in an apron. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's fine. There's, I'm, I'm not making cakes about stiff batter or anything like that. Um, right, listen, I cannot believe how quick the time has gone tonight. Um, we'd actually intended, I, I don't know how many of you have heard this, but Joey Barton did a very, very interesting interview in the last couple of days uh, on a Scottish football podcast where he spoke a lot about his time at Rangers, the breakdown of relationship with Warbs. Um, it was very much my intention that we would that we would get onto that and, and we would discuss and maybe have a wee reflection on the whole Warbs era. We've totally, totally run out of time and we can't do that, I'm afraid. Um, what I will do, though, very, very quickly, just a, a kind of quick-fire question to both of you. I'll start with you, John. Which current Rangers player would you want to quarantine with and why? Um, oh, it's definitely that Canadian one that plays for the women's team. Um, I think I think the, the reasons for that are, are very clear. We need help here with schooling the children, and I think she would be enormously helpful in that uh, in that sphere. What did you think I was going to say? Well, you think you uh, could maybe get a job lot with the, the the legal representation that Rangers are going to have. You could maybe get a job lot and and, and you know and, 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 with... and help him with divorce. Yeah, exactly. I. <laughs> <laughs> to spend three weeks in isolation with one player who would you pick oh goodness so, so one probably somebody that could actually have a you could actually have a, a conversation with I, I i think i think um i think probably stephen davis i think just just for the fact that it would be it would be interesting because of what he's going through just now compared to what he went through previously at rangers and also his whole experience as an international player i think it would be would be you know, fascinating. I think it'd be, it, it would be somebody that you could actually, I don't think you would actually get bored too quickly actually talking to him. I think that's a good shout. I would say Andy Halliday as well. Someone that knows everything about Rangers, loves the club. All I want to talk about is Rangers anyway. Glad to have him. I have to say, by the way, John, the number of comments that you've sparked here on YouTube with people talking about, uh, I, I imagine her name must be Sonia because we've now got about 15 different comments of people talking about Sonia. Um, actually, you've actually sparked the most engagement we've ever had on a live pod. So, I'm, I'm back to being the, the fans' favourite. That's good to know. That's good. <laughs> no one cares about your views on Rangers, but they'll, they'll talk. <laughs> right, listen, probably wise. That's us at the top of the hour, um, and, and that's probably all we've got time for this evening. So it's a, as always, a massive, massive thank you to, to John and to Stuart for 
giving up their time and, and letting us talk about football and kind of get a wee bit of escapism, even if it is just just for one hour. Um, to everyone that's listening, everyone that's joined in on the YouTube this evening, anyone that's downloading the show and, and, and even just using us as a wee break and a wee, a wee slice of normality at the moment for an hour, we're very, very grateful. And the most important thing that we can say is please do keep yourself safe. Please do listen to the advice of the government. Keep your distance from folk. Um, a, a huge shout out as well to any key workers, anyone, not just, you know, everyone in the NHS, everyone on the front line, but your your postman, your delivery drivers, your supermarket checkout workers, everyone that's continuing to go to work and, and, and keeping life ticking over for us. Is, it's it's so massively appreciated by all of us. Um, Colin, who, who hosts the show uh, one third of the time, his, his wife is... Uh, a nurse over in Falkirk and I know that she's putting in 12 hour shifts at the moment and it's it's just a mammoth effort from everyone so we're all incredibly grateful for for everything you're doing for us um like I say please keep yourself safe please keep yourselves well make sure you head over to the website jerrysnet.co.uk you can join in the friendly discussion forum if there's nothing else going on you'll find all three of us there to chat to um, all that's left for me to say is, is a huge thank you again for listening and have a great week. Loyalty to Rangers is what binds us. And together, we are stronger. Launching for the 2021 season, the MyJers membership programme is a new way to get even closer to the club you love. It's the one place where you can access benefits like ticketing priority, club discounts and exclusive competitions and experiences. There's even a limited edition welcome gift when you join. Visit rangers.co.uk slash to join today. Always Rangers, always loyal, always rewarded.